On this week's episode of The Fizz, we recap NFL Week 4, including our Detroit Lions' dominant win in Lambeau over the Green Bay Packers. After that, we talk about Miguel Cabrera and his magical career that ended last weekend. In addition to that, we get into the Ryder Cup and what was that disaster in Rome. We forget over under this week because Jerry sent me an email and I lost it in the shuffle of everything. So we skip over under and that's my fault. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk to you about our main sponsor, our loyal sponsor, Michigan Made Vosa. The ready-to-drink vodka cocktail that comes in two versions. Right now, vodka water with no carbonation, simple flavors, very smooth to drink for any season. And then the other drink that they have is their Highline. The Highline comes in at a 7% alcohol by volume, is a little bit sweeter, and has some more flavoring to it. Both of them are awesome options if you like RTD vodkas. Check them out. They are Michigan-made. They support the Fizz. They support Champagne Athletics. So next time you're at the store, take a look at Vosa. Give them a try. Hand them to your friends. Spread the word. Vosa. Enjoy the finer things. But now, let's get into the Fizz. Welcome to episode 119 of The Fizz. Thank you all for joining us. It is October 1st at 7.45 p.m. I am with the main men, Ice Cold Brew Lou. How we doing, Lou? Doing good, baby. Stomach is bubbling right now. Had a full barbecued slate today. Uh, Great NFL action, baby. Ready to get after it. Fucking right. Channy football is with me as well. How we doing, Channy? Q4 on the calendar, Q1 complete on the NFL calendar, ready to jump into it. Fuck yeah. And that's exactly what we're going to do. This is our Sunday show. We are all remote today. Uh, just checking in on the NFL. Obviously, no Lions today, but we did get to watch a show on Thursday night, and that is where we're going to start Detroit Lions take out the Green Bay Packers by a score of 34 to 20. Didn't really feel in doubt outside of the first first five minutes of the game, maybe if that, three minutes. Um, just an absolutely awesome game to watch. Pure domination on the Lions end. Um, I caught myself saying it several times during the game. The most complete Lions victory I've ever seen in my lifetime the definite most complete victory against the Packers in my lifetime and they feel it just feels like a changing of the guard yeah we beat Kansas City week one and that was but to take it to our division foe in their home on national tv and just not let up and dominate 50 to 55 minutes out of the game an absolute perfect game from the Lions Top to bottom, offense to defense, secondary to skilled positions. A great dominating victory on Thursday night. I agree, Chandler. That was by far the most dominating primetime game 
I've ever watched from a Detroit Lions football team, bar none, after JG threw that pick and we stopped him and held him to three points on like the 10 or 15 yard line there, I was like, we're not fucking around. This team's for real. This defense is for real. We're flying around. We're taking bodies and we're scoring fucking puntas. Yes, absolutely. I mean, watching that game, um, watching that game was like, I kept calling it cocaine because there was a stretch there where Green Bay could not gain a fucking yard. We were breaking up every pass. We were pressuring Jordan Love. Like, we, and, like, watching it, it was just like, yes, this is fucking Jordan Love. This isn't Aaron Rodgers. He's unproven. He's still new to this league. And to beat the shit out of them in Lambeau fucking rocked. And that game started, and I know for me, my stomach dropped because first two plays, we didn't move the ball at all. And then Jared Goff threw arguably, like, one of the ugliest interceptions he's thrown uh, since he's been like good Jared Goff outside of like his first season with us that just that left his hand. And it was like, well, that's, he's got to have someone wide open to just loft it up in the middle of the field like that. And it was just the easiest pick. We're lucky it didn't turn into a pick six, but I got to say, I think that play was actually the best thing that could have happened for us because it made the defense step up early and that three and out gave them awesome confidence. They got their first sack of the game. And after that, Jared Goff was absolutely laser focused. He was on the money with every single play that he made after that. And to see him bounce back after that interception and just go like seven plays in five minutes or whatever it was, find Laporta on that third down and then find Amon Ra the next play for the touchdown. We were just off and running and it fucking rocked. It rocked. Thanks. They did everything right. Um, kudos to the coaching staff. I mean, the game we went to Seattle, there were a lot of questionable mistakes that uh, from the head coaching perspective, from the defensive coordinator and Aaron Glenn's side of the ball. And since then, it has been laser tight with the decisions they're making, the schemes that they're, they're p compiling, and the execution that they're having on the field. I mean, you talk about an adjustment. We had one sack through two weeks. We've now gone five-plus sacks each of the last two games with five different players recording at least a half sack in the Green Bay game. There was merely no pass rush to start. Then what happens? You lose both of your starting safeties, and what do you do? You fill them in with some other starting safeties, some third, fourth-string guys. You play rookies in the secondary that mesh well really quickly, and you have second and third corners like Jerry Jacobs come in, step up, make huge plays, um, and contribute to a team that, again, seemed to be thin at points this season. But when you pl can plug guys in, it makes it much more seamless, and it's just keeping us in there, letting us hang around at 3-1 while we're getting our injuries out of the way. And I, I just see we're going to be getting full strength here in the next two to three weeks. Absolutely. And, and one other thing, too, Chandler, that you left out is – we fucking dominated the trenches offensively, defensively bodies were being fucking thrown around. We were hitting every hole. They were the size you could drive a school bus through. Um, I mean, it was just, it was just a purely dominating game and we've been harping on the linebacker play the last couple weeks. Anzalone and Derek Barnes had great fucking days. They were flying all over the field. Anzalone almost ripped off that guy's head in the picture you were sending us, Frank, like, I mean, we there's really nothing we could be happier about seeing. And to top it all off, we get fucking J-Mo back the next day. 
Holy like, shit. Let's get let's go, dude. I know. Like getting the JMO news, I was just like vibrating with with like I didn't know how to handle all the good news in one week. I mean, the offense was absolutely dialed, and you just have players like fucking um the serpent of death, like Josh Reynolds, like one of the highest graded receivers for that game. Uh he played outstanding and the way he's able to get open and find seams and the connection he has with golf is just amazing. David Montgomery, David Montgomery is such a fucking upgrade from Jameson, uh, not Jameson, uh, Jamal, Jamal. Williams. Yep. Yes. It's actually crazy. He has so much more shake to him, so much more pass catching ability. And he's just like bigger and more athletic than I ever thought. Um, and I want to make this statement right now to everyone on the internet. I have JMO on, or Jesus, I keep mixing up all these names. I have Jameer Gibbs on my fantasy team. I bet him first touchdown, anytime touchdown, every single goddamn game. Do I want him to score a touchdown? Yes, I do. But do Seems I like give it. a do I give a shit that David Montgomery got the three tugs on the goal line? No, I do not. And everyone out there shouldn't care either. The amount of tweets I'm seeing of like. How are you not using Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs? Like, Montgomery's a starter. It's working. Gibbs is a rookie. Who gives a shit? We are 3-1, and one and we're crushing it on the ground. So if you're crying about your fantasy team or your personal bets, just fuck off. Just fuck off. And I will cry a little bit, tiny bit, but at the end of the day, I'm way more happy that the Lions are putting up Ws than I care about my fucking fantasy team. Someone Amen. All day. And guess what? You're going to have guys. There's only one ball. You're going to have guys that unfortunately aren't going to, I guess, maximize what their individual production could be. But, hey, we're seeing Laporta. He's stepping up and probably doing a little bit more than we all thought he could coming into the season. Uh, you throw J-Mo into the mix. It's not going to give the existing guys more opportunities. It's going to take away opportunities. But like you said, Frank, I don't want to hear, why did we draft a guy in the first round if this is what we were going to do? We're winning games. It doesn't matter who got drafted where and when and how much they're contributing. The guys on the field are doing what they need to do. The players that are coming in in second string and giving guys some, some breathers or whatnot are doing what they need to do. Everyone is taking their identity, their individual identity to this team, making it their own role and becoming a team. So if Jameer's only going to get 10 touches a game, so be it. If we're winning the game and that's how we're going to win, that's okay. The Detroit Pistons won the championship with the number two overall pick of that year sitting on the bench. No one would take that back, and no one would say they'd rather have X, Y, and Z and trade in that championship because we did that. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just fucking fantastic to have two wins under our belt uh, in two of the most intimidating buildings to play in on a national TV level. It doesn't even feel fucking real. To, to, the fact that we've beaten Arrowhead and we've beaten Green Bay in – we've beaten Kansas City in Arrowhead and beaten Green Bay in Lambeau on national television, it's just fucking mind-blowing. It's just When was the last never... time we had two national television games this early in the season? I don't – ever? I don't think yeah, ever no. in our lifetimes we've even played two out of the first four on national TV. No. And, and I'll I mean, tell you what, the Detroit no. Pride fans are fucking showing out, dude. There was a sea – of blue in Lambeau, dude. You could hear Let's Go Lions roaring through that place. I mean, after the game, there was just they were all flooded down towards the field. You got St. Brown blowing kisses to Packers fans who are flipping them off. 
It doesn't really get much better than that. Like, that was unreal. Seeing Goff, like, go through the stands and stuff, like, when we were there at Lambeau in January, like, Goff did that same thing. He just, I think he feels so comfortable in Lambeau. And it was wild to, like, just watch a Lambeau game. Like, it felt, like, warm there. You know, normally I feel like all those primetime games when we get them, like, with them, it's just ice cold. So, um, dude, we ate them alive. And even when the refs tried to jump in and help them out and get them back in the game, uh, I thought that was honestly what we did after that. So clock hit zeros for the third quarter to start the fourth. They let it sit for a second and a half. They let him get the playoff. Of course, it's it, they hit our boy Reed for the longest completion of the day, which sets up their touchdown. Um, and that was kind of like their last glimmer of hope to get back into the game. And I love how we didn't cry, we didn't bitch, we didn't moan. What we did was exactly what the doctor ordered. We did exactly what good teams do. We did exactly what division winners are supposed to do. And we went 14 plays. We went 75 yards in 14 plays in just under nine minutes to absolutely swallow the clock and fucking win the game. Like that to me was like, we are a good team now because that's exactly what a good team does. 100%. And, and you know is, what? Oh, go ahead, Chandler. Yeah, Dan Campbell being aggressive really helped us this game with him going for it on fourth downs. Um, and then how about pre- or preceding that, us going for it on fourth down, Quay Walker with another dumb penalty against the Lions, giving us another chance. And what do we do? We just run the ball down their throat, milk off a couple extra minutes, and jam in a fourth and goal off the one-yard line. I mean, that's Detroit Lions football. As much as we can criticize and hate it, he has been consistent with his aggressiveness and his willingness to go for fourth down. And in this instance, getting two-plus more minutes off the clock and adding seven instead of three really cemented the game for us late there in the fourth. For sure. And and those decisions were 10 times more calculated risks than what we saw against Seattle. So, I mean, I, we're, I'm for that every day of the week. Let's just be smart about it. And one of my other favorite parts of the game was at the end, or at the beginning of the game, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing shade at our fucking boy JG, calling him a poor man's rat Ryan. Bro, get the fuck out of here, a poor man's rat <laughs> ri- rat Ryan. Matt Ryan. <laughs> the, boys are, the boys are just fumbling over our words. It's, it's, bro, yeah. bro, rat Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> rat Ryan. JG comes on stage and he goes, I didn't think I was a fucking poor man's anyone, buddy. Yeah. I mean. His confidence is through the roof right now and it just fucking rocks. Like, even on his Instagram and stuff, he's, like, posting life lately and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's just really made Detroit a fucking home. And I've said to you guys a thousand times, like, he's not flashy. He's fucking pretty boring. But, man, he is, like, a true Detroit athlete. He's just put his head down and come to work. That's all he does. Well, great W. Um, Good to have another 10 days off, especially with the banged-up team, to try to get these guys back. And I know we talked about it um, on Wednesday, but the schedule in front of us, now adding J-Mo into the mix, even before that, we look at it and we go, man, we, we've really got our own destiny in our hands right now. I mean, with the Niners and the Eagles not dropping anything so far early this year, it's good to see that we're going to be favored in at least the next two games and probably three out of the next four before we get a, a full week off here. And holy yeah. shit, 
after watching Minnesota today and Chicago, like, <laughs> we are the most dominant team in the North by a fucking landslide. Yeah, it's it's varsity versus JV. It's their division to lose. It's absolutely their division to like it's it's there for the taking and they need to fucking take it. Uh last note unless you guys got anything else. JMO news dropped. Um so that's fucking crazy. Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, I just want to dive into it a little deeper. Like uh we get the news basically that JMO was gonna come back week seven and now he's back week five. Uh, do we think he's going to play? Has anybody read anything on that? I haven't looked into it too much. Like, are they going to turn? I mean, they have the big break, like 10 days right now. So like, are they going to, you know, is he going to play? I think he does. And I think he plays much like he did last year, um, where you see him in certain packages, you see him in 10, 15% of your snaps. I think they're going to ease him into it because they weren't expecting it. You know, judging from his social media and what he's been eating, I I don't know if he's ready to play fit 25 or 30 snaps in a game. But, um, you know, with getting that extra two weeks, I believe they ease him into it. Give him a couple snaps here. Give him a couple snaps there. And I would think by the Baltimore game, which is now two and a half weeks from today, roughly, or excuse me, three weeks actually from today, that is when you will see J-Mo fully unleashed three games from now with the next two ramping him up. Yeah, I'm with you, Chandler. I think they're going to work him in slowly and don't fix what ain't broken. I mean, we are firing on all cylinders right now. There's no reason to fucking ruffle any feathers if we don't need to. Keep him as that secret weapon where you got him running, you know, those fade routes down the middle and and, and let him slowly get back into the game and check his iPad. I'm, I'm curious to see how much film he's been watching lately. <laughs> yeah, football related activities. That's uh that's the the key phrase. I don't we'll see how much he's been doing. What do we know? And hell, put him out there. He's still a fucking speed demon. Like you can at least take the top off or use him as a decoy or anything and it's not like Marv's really stepped up uh, you know, in his expanded role. I think he's dropped every single target besides the one he fumbled versus Kansas City. <laughs> I did, I love you Marv, but like man, I don't know. He must rock in the locker room, I guess. <laughs> um fuck yeah so next week we are home versus carolina uh to me i i'm calling that a revenge game just because last year carolina uh we didn't to me that's the game where we decided not to make the playoffs you know that was the one where we were rolling we were cooking with gas and then they just we went on the road to carolina and they fucking fed us our lunch picking up 13 yards of carry that really was the momentum killer so this Next week you got to go in and and they're they're coming into our den. You got to beat the shit out of Carolina. Like I don't, whatever that line is, I'm going to take it because I know they remember it. I know that off that defensive line remembers getting pushed around by Carolina last year. So next year we got or next week we got to just bag them. Take care of business. Take care of what's yours. That's what great teams do in this league is week in week out bring their best game regardless of who their opponent is. Got to be a double digit victory next week. Uh, totally to keep agree. the momentum rolling. Yeah, Bryce Young, Pizzo's boy, should be uh, running for his life. I think he sucks. I think that we're seeing this week in and week out that he stinks. He he's has tiny. zero pocket presence at all. And he's so small. Like, he really guy. looks... Yeah, he's, he's just a, a wee guy. little guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, at least, like... And I don't like Kyler at all. But, like, Kyler at least has some stockiness to him. Bryce right. is just a tiny little guy. He's just a little guy. He is, which is not... <laughs> It's not normal for Bama. Kind of wild, too. I looked ahead a little bit at uh, at the spreads, and, and the Lions opened up at minus 5.5. That has already moved up to 8.5, I'm seeing. 
five and a half. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Holy shit. I mean, I wish we all knew that because that's fucking call the Brinks truck and back it up, boys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Inside job. (laughs) Um, All right, boys. Well, that's our Lions recap. Let's move into week four here. Talk about some notable games. Kind of would like to, if you guys are good, even if it's just a couple seconds on each one, just running through um, each game, uh, see what kind of notes we have. Some might be a little longer than others. So first one I got on the list uh, is Falcons, Jags. And me personally, I'll lead off. I don't have much about the game outside the Falcons might be a bottom five team. Uh, Were either of you able to watch the Toy Story presentation of the game today? I saw you were fucking dialed into it today, Sid. Yeah. (laughs) I had to check it out. It's research. So uh, I only watched like maybe the first quarter of it. uh, And it was ridiculous. It was an absolute like clown show. But it was like live as everything was happening. And it opened with like 10 different glitches, which was like pretty funny. Uh, So like they had like AI booger booger McFarlane toy, like the co-host with him. And the play, like the when the plays would happen, there would always be these like glitches. But they had some like pretty like fun ideas with it. Like the fucking slinky dog was the yard marker. The claw was placing the ball. Um, but it was just so like unsustainable for like an entire game. Like it was like, okay, this is kind of a cool little gimmick. And then, you know, like fucking Trevor Lawrence would like throw the ball and it would like be like kind of suspended spinning in the air and then like he'd be like touchdown and like no one would have the ball there was just like these glitches that didn't work i think it was like a for effort but like kind of c minus on execution but <laughs> it was like just a fucking ridiculous like thing to watch at 9 30 this morning yeah it doesn't help that uh atlanta's one tier above the ass juice chicago bears too because that team fucking stinks atlanta's <laughs> yeah, a tough watch I'll say this. I was simping out. I didn't uh, I didn't uh, watch a second of the Toy Story. I was at the grocery store this morning. So I was simping out, hand up. I'll call it on myself. Giga simp mode from 9 a.m. to noon wow. today. All right. Hey, what? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you're like body bagging yourself. Yeah, Jesus. Like, take it easy. It's not that like, you had to get groceries. You got to eat. Yes, I went to the Apple Orchard at 7 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a punk. Yeah. <laughs> Giga Sim, whatever the fuck you called yourself. It's okay, man. Take a deep breath. Like, I missed miss some stuff that I gotta go to the grocery store, too. We need food. It's okay. Yeah, dude. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, but I, none of you were there this morning, were you? No, no. No, we weren't. Yeah, I, good thing I watched, like, the most meaningless game. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so Falcons, Jags, Jags beat the shit out of them 23-7. They're both 2-2, two and two, but I think a very different 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The Jags kind of lo- were looking a little fraudy, but they took care of business. Uh, but they're kind of like the London residents anyway. So they're a team to me that is very like, I don't know what to do with them yet. Um, we're going to do a little over-underrated later. But like, yeah, the Jags I'm pretty confused about. Falcons I'm confirming as ass. And it's funny you say that they're the London, the team from London, because I did just see that. I think this is for the first time ever. They have back-to-back games in London as they're playing Buffalo next week in London. So it is funny. Yes, they've become like the London team um, to be featured. But yes, they are going uh, 
against the Bills next Sunday in in uh, London. Now, are, they, are they just staying there then? They're not coming back and then flying back out, right? I wonder how that works. I would works. think they got to stay there. That's right. a, what, six-hour flight, seven-hour flight? Be, I'd be so pissed as a Jags fan. Oh, my. Yes. yes. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. I, uh, that's that's unbelievable. Two 930 games for an East Coast team. That's ridiculous. And you lose a home game. Yep. Um, okay. Next on the list, game of the week was the most anticipated uh, game of the day. Ended up being a blowout. Uh, Channy Football, got to give you credit for this one. Called it on your picks. Uh, you said the line was fishy, no pun intended. Dolphins, Bills, Bills 48, Dolphins 20. I rode with you. I want you to know that. You won me some money today, and it was an easy one. So thank you for that. Amen, amen. Glad to hear that you rode with me on it. Great game from Stefan Diggs. You knew they had to make a statement, and they did make a statement. From that opening kick, the foot was on the accelerator, and they never took it off of it. Defense, again, underrated defense up there in Buffalo. They've been together for a while now rattled Tua in that Dolphins offense. Although I will say my note from this game, my big note from this game, huge injury. Tredavious White looks like he hurt his Achilles in the game, looked pretty serious, got carted off. That is an absolutely massive injury for a team that's top three in the AFC and aspiring to be a Super Bowl contender. Nonetheless, um, that is who the Dolphins are more of. Um, than I think the team we've seen the first three weeks. Um, a good team, but not an elite team yet. I think people wanted to crown them top one, two in the AFC. They're not there yet. Get in line. You've got more big games to win, and you need more consistent outputs, not just the first three weeks of the season against bad teams. Oh, I thought you were going to say something, Lou. Uh, that game started off touchdown, 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 touchdown. Uh, it was absolutely electric. Yeah. And I, um, I didn't take it, but I was kind of thinking it would be the under, I was just trying to go full like galaxy brain on it. It was completely wrong. It was an absolute shootout. Uh, the bills defense playing angry. I mean, they're, they're fucking real deal. Uh, they are good. They're good. Good. So, um, I thought the bills would regress a little bit. It kind of looked like they might after that one loss they had, but they're, they're a force. They're an absolute force to be reckoned with. And they're going to be one of the final four teams um, in the NFL this season, if they can stay healthy. Yeah, they looked good and, and they shut down, you know, Miami's biggest weapon and, and Tyreek Hill. I think he only had like three or four catches for about 50 yards today, but uh, that uh, running back that they got, that guy's for real. I don't know how to say his last name. Like I can a chain yeah he had 102 touchdowns again um he looks really good so they definitely got something special in him but you know the bills capitalized on uh on taking Tyreek out and just took it took the hammer to Miami and and set them back in their place absolutely uh moving on to the complete opposite of that game Jesus Christ Lou uh moving on to the complete opposite of that game is uh (laughs) Bears, Broncos. Sorry, fucking lose. You know, it opens the show with that his fucking stomach's rumbling. We got headphones in, and I'm hearing his, his fucking gas. I was it trying up. to let that one go lightly. Yeah, well, you muscle. did it. Like, I heard it, and it, it didn't help that you, like, I got a hemi, up. brother. Like, we're on camera. We're on camera. Like, everyone saw you pop up, and then, like, a, you farted. I got, I lifted up a little bit. I was about to take flight. 
Yeah, I know. We saw it. You were on camera. <laughs> Unbelievable. Professionalism is just in the trash. Journalism Sunday show, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> Rant Ryan. You are Rant Ryan right now. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. All right. Well, I don't. I mean, if you were gonna fart during any of the any of the games we're talking about, this was the fucking one. Perfect uh, transition. Yes, Broncos, Bears. I am basking in the Bears hilarity. That is a dumpster fire. The Bears get all the way up to. I think the biggest lead they had was twenty eight seven. Looked like they were actually going to have a good day. Win this game versus a bad team. Justin Fields had big numbers, but no, 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 not so uh, fast. <laughs> they bared their ways their way to a thirty-one to twenty-eight loss, and the nightmare season continues uh, for the Chicago Bears. Well, you mentioned it. You know, Justin Fields, good stats, four touchdowns to start the game, and then he Justin Fields the last twenty minutes of the game fumbles it. Uh, the Broncos take it to the crib, throws an interception on a on a last-minute drive. You've just got to wonder. They currently have the number one overall pick and the number two overall pick. If he doesn't get it together soon, you're going to see Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison, Caleb Williams in an offensive tackle, Caleb Williams and somebody in a Bears uniform next year. Yeah, they don't, think- they don't really have a choice at this point. Like you can't You can't watch much more of this if you're a Chicago fan. Yeah, and that might, I mean, and they might look back at that game and be happy that they lost it because they really are sitting one and two and it's not going to get any better. Um, It's crazy that we still have them twice on the schedule, just selfishly thinking of Detroit. Uh, And it's always just weird, like, Bears no matter what. Like, I think we've mentioned this before. It's just something about, like, a certain position in a uniform that you still don't believe who it is. It's like, like Tom Brady in his prime could have went to the bears and I feel like he would have sucked. You know, it's just, they have never had that position figured out. So even if they do land Caleb Williams, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Cause they've truly never had that position figured out. Even when they went to the super bowl, they had fucking Rex Grossman there. who I think like fumbled the opening snap or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the one I'm going to, I'm going to self report that I, I put a note on today is, Bengals in trouble in all caps. They got absolutely bum rushed today by the Titans. Every time red zone flicked over to it, Burrow was on his back. He was throwing an errant throw. There was a pass rusher in his face. The Bengals offensive line is the problem right now. T Higgins leaves hurt. Jamar Chase is frustrated after the game. The Bengals start one and three. Burrow's banged up. They're my Super Bowl pick. I'm nervous, officially nervous, that (laughs) they're not even going to make the playoffs. Ring the alarm, Um, Chernobyl. So, uh, ring the alarm. I'm a little nervous about the Bengals, and uh, I don't think it's going to get any easier. Chandler, they look like shit, man. (laughs) Oh, I would be nervous. Nervous is Yeah, nervous is a word. That's a word for it. They're your Super Bowl champs. You better go back to Kroger, brother, because it's giga nervous. Dude, they put up three points today versus the Tennessee Titans, who are like the the most middling team in the NFL. The not too shabby Tennessee Titans. I guess so. <laughs> That's one of those teams. I guess I can't figure out the Bengals. I mean, 
I just, that was the game and the score that shocked me the most. And I'm just, I know I said they would regress this year. I had no thoughts that they would be losing to Tennessee. They'd be one and three and losing to Tennessee, oh, and two at home, um, and losing 27 to three to a team that really has no offense. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, was an, I was like asking, I was watching the game at my buddy's house and I'm like, are they, have they showed anything from the Bengals game? Cause it was on for like 30 seconds max throughout the day. Yes. That was the, that was the, uh, we should, when we do these Sundays, we should have like the, the red zone awards. And like that, that game was the, like, didn't see it at all game. Never even knew it was on. Yeah. The only thing I saw was like Tannehill overthrow Deandre Hopkins <laughs> on like that little like fluke play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Bengals are ass. Channy's a little nervous. Giga nervous. The other team, uh, the other team I'd like to add to my not too shabby list is uh, the Commanders. That looked like that was a pretty good game. Them and the Eagles were going toe to toe. Commanders showing a lot of heart at the end of the game. Fourteen points in the fourth quarter. String it out in overtime. I know they lost, but like they still fought with maybe the top one, two, or three team in the NFC. I don't think the Commanders are as bad as uh, people are saying. Ugh. That is disgusting. The Commanders <laughs> stink. The Commanders are going to fight to win six games this year. Sam Howell stinks. They caught the Eagles sleeping. Eagles still won the game. The Commanders are only going downhill. They have a ton of interdivision games left. That is a cold, cold take. Commanders are pretenders. Um, I'm going to land somewhere in the middle there. I'm not completely as frigid as Channy is on them, but I'm definitely not as horny as, as Lou is. Like, I think they have a little like bite to them. I think Howell is a, is better than I thought. And that's not saying much because I thought he was going to be the worst quarterback in the league this year. And he's actually all right. And, but for whatever fucking reason, the commanders always give the Eagles a hard time. The commanders handed the Eagles their first loss last year. Um, and I don't know what it is about the Eagles. The Eagles are four and and we're in the Super Bowl last year, but everyone's like, eh, cause it just feels like they haven't woken up yet. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't feel like they're playing that great yet. They're four and oh, and like winning games. But for, for whatever reason, it just feels like they should be playing better somehow. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I can see fair. that they haven't clicked fully in one game. Um, I will tell you a team that has. The Niners, 14 straight yeah. regular season wins. They are bulldozing every team. We talk about who the Lions have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with. I think we can all say Lions are top three in the NFC. Most definitely top four. You can't argue that they're outside of the top four if you want to put the Cowboys ahead of them. Whatever. But the Niners, <laughs> to me, are the clear-cut number one team a quarter of the way through the season in the NFC. And if you say today, what does the NFC run through? It runs through San Francisco in the 49ers, in my opinion, after another dominating victory, McCaffrey, four touchdowns today. And stop, um, stop not making money on the San Francisco 49ers. Like it's time to just take them every game until it misses and then take McCaffrey to score every game. Cause I think he's at 13 or 14 games as a in a row dating back to last season of scoring a touchdown. And with four today, they're clearly not making any changes to that plan. So let's all make money. Let's just fucking, we're taking Kelsey anytime. We're taking McCaffrey anytime, uh, every week. That's just, that's just, and, 
financially. And they're all wise. over it too. The books had them at minus two thirty to score anytime touchdown. So they're like yes. they can't even figure out a number. And and they're getting fucking smarter or rattier, whatever you want to name it. Because, you know, in the apps, a lot of times you have to go to the same game parlay. Like, you have to go into the special area for a same game parlay. His uh, anytime touchdown shot up to minus 330 if you did an anytime parlay. Because it was so easy to take McCaffrey and Moneyline. Um, so they're, like, getting smarter. They don't keep the same lines for when you parlay it. Which is so fucking rat. Rat. <laughs> that's rat ryan type rat stuff ryan. there that's rat, that's ryan. rat ryan all day that's baby. rat ryan i mean can we say too i'm you know some it's it's the great divide is brock pretty good is he not good you gotta give him his credit he got injured in one game and that's the only game as a starter he's lost in his nfl career and that was obviously in the nfc championship game last year against the eagles the guy just wins the guy just does what is asked of him, and maybe that's all he needs to do for this team to be a contender, but they look like they are on all cylinders. Like you mentioned, Eagles, it's like, when are they really going to have that breakout game? That's been San Francisco every game so far this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> side note, too, they, like, didn't use Debo today. Debo had, like, zero yeah, targets and zero Fucking carries. Bitches. Yeah, they I'm going like, to be didn't... a fantasy complainer on that one. Yeah, and that's fine. And we're playing each other this week, and that's how I knew it because I looked. I was like, "Why didn't they fucking use him?" And but like, I just think that's crazy that they don't use. I mean, that guy's one of their. That's their top receiver, and they didn't even fucking use him. I guess if you keep handing the ball off and the ball keeps ending up in the end zone, it's hard to fucking argue, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> and and to be fair, I don't care if you complain about fantasy for the fucking Niners. Right. You know what I mean? I'm talking just, hometown it, dogs. Yeah, I'm talking the Lions fans who are crying that you know. Uh, we're winning games, but Gibbs isn't scoring enough. I digress. Yep. Okay. Uh, Good. I wanted to let's go. We can quickly go through another score that surprised the hell out of me today. Uh, Ravens Browns. Uh, I know that Deshaun Watson was out, but like I don't think he's any good. And the whole story has been the Browns defense. Um, obviously, you can't win if you don't put up points. They only put up three today. But uh, once again, that division just kind of like keeps mashing around and we can't figure it out. I have the Ravens winning that division, which right now feels pretty good. Um, but we'll see what the Browns can do when they get their guy back. Um, but that, that score surprised me for such a blowout. Yeah. When I took the Browns, I didn't think they were going to be Deshaun Watson less. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah. that caught me off guard, but good win by the Ravens. That's, that's the game. Obviously you can't overlook any games here in the NFL, but for the lions, you go Panthers, you go at Bucks, and then you got the Ravens later this month. Um, that's a real test. That's our next test um, for the Lions. So be interested to see how we match up to them because, like you said, Frank, they look to be in pretty good position to win their division right now and be a top four or five team in the AFC. Yep. Yeah, and they're just one of those teams where if you see them in the playoffs, they can always punch you in the mouth. I mean, Lamar Jackson's former MVP. He's electric. If you can't figure him out, he'll burn you. And – you know, like I always say, John Harbaugh is a great coach. Like he's a top, probably a top five NFL coach. They're a good football yep. team. We're going to be seeing them in the playoffs this year for sure. Um, if they didn't get Dobbins hurt, I think they'd be an absolute powerhouse right now, the Ravens. My heart breaks for that guy. That for just sure. feels so bad for him. Um, for sure. Another team, too, uh, to go along with the Bengals, I know they weren't nearly as hyped as them that, that need to start ringing the siren, is the New Orleans Saints. And get fucking fuck? Carr out of there. That guy stinks. 
I can't watch him throw another football. He couldn't hit the fucking broadside of a barn, dude. Like, they are bad. They're you want bad. Taysom Hill in there? Yes. I would rather have Taysom Hill 100%. <laughs> Not kidding. Are they bad or are the Bucks dominant? That is the real question. <laughs> no, uh, they're bad. No. They're bad. <laughs> that's, that's I don't the know. Answer. I don't know. The Baker Bucks full to be unit. pretty good. I, I, <laughs> hey, I said half unit at the start of the year, and I got ridiculed. You should have. Nope. Yeah, you should have. The, they, the Bucks have looked good, though. They have looked good, but the the Saints are just yuck. All right, I'm, the, I'm, the Bucks have the Bucks have have a surprising three and one record. Is how I'm going to phrase this. Like, I don't think they're gutter trash of the NFL, but they have beaten the Vikings, the Bears lost to the Eagles, and then beat the Saints. Like, granted, these are NFL games, and they're 3-1, and one, so you can only play who's in front of you. But um, I just, you know, they get us next week. And, or wait. You know who next, else is in front of them? Not next week. Not next the week. whole AFC, uh, NFC South, which is the worst division in football, they've got an easy schedule. That's part of why I think they were going to win it and make the playoffs. They've got the Panthers twice the Falcons twice and the saints in their own barn uh, for five of their last, you know, 13 games this year. So they got the Colts too. They've got some easy games. And if they've got the Colts, they probably got the Texans too. They do. They so do. they've got an easy schedule and uh, that could be a surprise 10 win team. That's going to get blown out in the first week of the playoffs because they didn't play anyone during the season. All right, fair enough. As long as you know, you're you know, you're 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 admitting it. They're not they're not the real. They're not the real deal. <laughs> I want to end my notes with the a note that just keeps coming back on that Brandon Staley is the worst in-game coach I've ever seen. This guy makes a mistake every week. Last week, fourth and one on his own 25 against the Vikings with a minute and 45 left. Gets stuffed. This week, Fourth and one on his own 34 against the Raiders up seven with three minutes left. Goes for it, gets stuffed, and gets bailed out again. I don't get it. I I, I don't care that they're two and two. Fire the guy. I don't care that he's on a two-game win streak. Fire the guy. He's incompetent. He hasn't learned from his mistakes. And it's just a ticking time bomb. And he's just wasting Justin Herbert's time with uh, Keenan Allen and a lot of talent on that roster. I also know, uh, a side note, Khalil Mack, six sacks today, one sack shy of the single game record. Uh, I haven't heard of Khalil Mack here in probably two or three seasons. I wasn't even sure that he was impactful anymore, but a six sack game, I don't care who you're playing, that is a special game. Um, And again, one sack shy of the all-time record. Yeah, and I would say with the Chargers too, like um, just in-game decisions. Uh, whoever got their pick at the end of the game, like could have shut the door. On yeah, that what game, the fuck was and that? And he ran out of bounds. And he had about he, had, he could have picked six that, but instead, like two-minute warning hits. They had one timeout left. It gave them another shot. Um, obviously, they ended up winning the game, but like you know, that's just that's that just... was the bailout of bailouts. That pick too, like. He's making Dan Campbell look like Nostradamus with some of the decisions he's making. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I mean, he got I mean, Kirk Cousins' bailout was the bailout of bailouts. Like I've, yeah, I've right. fucking read off Hawk's hands. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more though. Uh, a couple other ones we didn't touch on. Um, 
Texans beat the blew the doors off the Steelers. Craziness. Just fucking craziness. Lou, I think you had the Steelers this week. I did. Yeah. yeah I and I think I've done fifty percent like the last four weeks. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, this was my only week finally getting over the fifty percent hub, but like just what happened in that game of the red helmets, Texans come out firing. The Steelers, I can't figure out at all. Like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done betting on the Steelers, and I know that the Vikings covered, but I'm fucking done betting on them. That team, I can't fucking watch any more of that. Yes, it's enough. Because you take that bet, and then fucking they go pick six to like on the one yard line, and you're just like, God, <laughs> this team sucks to watch. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> the Vikings are still trash, even though they beat Carolina. It just shows how trash Carolina is. Um, and then I'm going to tote myself here for the Cowboys beat down of the Patriots, 38 to three. I said, they were I rolled that one with you too. Yeah. I, th- I just thought they were going to play angry and the Patriots really have no offense. And Bill Belichick is not Bill Belichick. Like he's just not anymore. Yeah, they, there's, there's... I th- believe they sat Mac Jones there in the middle of the game and moved the old zappy bappy. So that team is <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wait, last game we didn't touch on was Rams-Colts. Rams go up big, seems like a blowout, seems like a snoozer. Colts make a late push at the end, tie it up, goes to overtime. The Rams are able to win. Um, Puka Puka Nakua, the story of the NFL at wide receiver, um, nine receptions, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Stafford's found his new Cooper Cup until Cooper Cup is back. Oh, the white wide receiver? No way. (laughs) <laughs> old puka, puka shell yeah what what puka has the the record what 39 receptions through the first four games nine more than any receiver to start his career so unbelievable stats um it seems like i, I thought that was going to be one of the worst teams this year i thought the rams were going to be a bottom five team after losing ramsey after having cup get hurt after just kind of getting gutted as a whole, and they've scrapped out to a pretty good start, um, and they seem to pay, play a pretty conservative game, especially compared to years past with McVay and his offensive schemes. Yeah, I think McVay is, you know, credit where credit's due. He's a good coach. I think Stafford's a good fucking quarterback, and, um, you know, their D-line is pretty solid, so they can create some pressure, and they can scrap out a few games. So, um, yeah, it was good. They're good. What, They're wouldn't that be something if they got a wild card and came to, to Detroit for the game? Stafford oh, comes home to play the first game oh in Ford Field. That would Please. be a dream. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I do think, well, Niners are going to take that division. So it'd be it's them and the Seahawks duking that one out most likely. Yep. yep. Still, still unsure about the Seahawks too. I think they're playing yeah. tomorrow, right? Monday night. Yeah, they are. Yep. Versus the Giants. If they trip up there, you're de- we're definitely going to be questioning some things because I'm confused on them too. All right, boys. Well, that was our NFL rundown. Um, do you want to move into other topics here? Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Channy, what do we got on the list? I'll let you lead her off here. Yeah, so I know we just wanted to briefly touch on it. We did more of it on Wednesday, but it's official. Miguel Cabrera's career is over here. And – a Detroit Tigers uniform, and as an MLB player, again, one of the GOATs, one of the faces of the franchise. Um, Just weird, going to not be seeing him for the first time in 16 years next year, but um, for an organization that's done so much wrong this last decade, kudos to the whole Detroit Tigers organization. I talked to a lot of people that went down there this past weekend. 
Um, just with the video montages, the setting up of the stands today that said Gracias, Miggy, with his stats in the upper deck, um, with how many people showed out to see him, with the ovation, with having his kids announce him to come to the plate. I mean, from top to bottom, again, they can't be absolved for a lot of mistakes they've made these past eight to ten years. But I will say this, they've got something right with what they did with Cabrera, how they honored him. And let's look bigger picture, 78 and 84. Um, only a couple games under 500. I've said it for a while now. They have a base. They have a nucleus. They have a foundation that they can build on. And they have barely anyone under contract going into next year. This is the year. This is the offseason where we begin to spend and we begin to zero in on the AL Central. I think it's a bright future ahead for the Tigers. Miggy-less, but great job to the whole organization for what they did this weekend and how they're starting to finally, I know it's a joke in this town, but finally start to rebuild this team and you can finally start to see that. Definitely, and, and it's nice that they got to send him off with the, with the last victory too today. Um, and the other thing I want to bring up too is, did you guys see those fly-ass button-downs they were giving out with the Venezuelan flag and the Tigers logo? I thought those were, were pretty sweet. Yeah, they gave them out yeah. to the like, first 15,000 people. So, um, yeah, otherwise going to miss the big dog, man. Uh, hopefully he comes back and, and helps out in the organization somewhere. He's I don't know if that's hired. really his style. He's oh, he is? Yeah, he's yeah. hired. Okay, good, good. Yeah, so we'll be seeing the big dog around still. Yeah, which is great. I, you know, I think Mickey's going to be, you know, big players guy. I think he'll be around the locker room, just be a presence to everyone. You know, like Chandler said, worded very well. Salute to you, Miggy. Been a great career. Um, and it was time. I mean, it was time to move on from the de the generation that was Miggy. 16 years here. Uh, fucking incredible, incredible career. The best hitter I've ever seen in my life. The best hitter that will probably ever come through Detroit. Um, but it is, there is, you know, a ton of positives here. It, you know, I think the one thing that could have really cherry on top of this thing was to win our shitty division, uh, and maybe get us, you know, one playoff game more with him, but it just wasn't in the cards this year. Pretty cool that they let him play first base to close the game. The final ground, the final play of the game was a ground ball to first. Nice for him to just take that tap the base. You know, they dump the water on him. He's chasing everybody around. He's speaking broken English to the crowd, telling them, thank you. Uh, I now want to hang out with you. Like, you know, I want to hang out with you now that I'm retired. Very Miggy, very cool. Um, but it's going to be nice now that he's out of the lineup for us to kind of move on from the Miggy era and really rebuild with, you know, the Torkelson era, if you will, or whoever the big names are we want to use. So Torque with 31 dingers this year. Hope we got a new GM working alongside Harris. Really hope they can turn it around because when Tiger baseball is good, it's good for everyone in Detroit. It sure is. And, you know, again, we said it about the Lions traveling to Green Bay, but kudos to the fan base um, showing out, selling the park out the last three days here. Uh, we saw it for so long when they were good, where every night it was tough to get a ticket at Comerica. It was absolutely electric. We are a sports town. We back our teams, and this city's just ready to buy back into the Tigers. Most wins since 2016, being at 78. Second in the AL Central this year. Um, it's looking bright. It's looking bright for all of our teams. 
And, you know, I think we can start to expect these teams to make the playoffs, not to contend for 500, not to be better than last year. There are tangible things that we can have for all of our Detroit teams to make it beyond the regular season here going into next season for each of the four major Detroit sports teams. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome to have the dedicated fan base and the knowledgeable fan base to an extent. I mean, when Miggy, that stadium was fully packed, fully standing at the end of that game uh, and Miggy's on the microphone and he's talking to the crowd um, and they're dead silent. I mean, they're dead silent waiting to hear what he's going to say. Um, and it's not like Miggy's some great orator, you know, but they're just, they're there. They're, they want to be a part of it. They want to experience it. And the same went for um, when he was chasing 3,000 hits. Um, I was lucky enough to see him get to 299. Uh, went to two games in a row and watched him get to 299. And everyone was holding their breath when he came up. Same thing for the 500 home runs, following him to different parks and things like that. I mean, this is a dedicated, dedicated sports town. So it was it was good to see. And it's just another chapter, um, you know, to add to it. So hell of a career. Amen. Lady. Oh, yeah. We're going to miss you, brother. Cool. Let's uh, go to some shittier news uh, with the Ryder Cup. Um, I don't know, Chandler, if you want to intro that, there's not too much to say here, but I feel like we should touch on it because it was the train wreck you almost couldn't look away from. Yep, we talked about it on Wednesday. We all said it's going to be tough. We said it was going to be tough to win for the first time in 30 years in Europe. It was tough. Uh, United States just digs themselves into a huge hole, losing the first four matches being down six and a half to one and a half after day one and ultimately losing. Although they fought hard on the last day and it came down to a couple of the last foursomes, ultimately losing to Europe, 16 and a half to 11 and a half. Um, too many big name guys laid an egg. That's the story of the United States here this week. Too many big name guys that are good golfers and good golfers this year laid an egg. Ricky Fowler, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Combined zero victories, combined two points for the United States team, and that's in a total of 10 matches, two points. Um, that's just unacceptable. Scotty Scheffler was the number one and is the number one in the world. He's supposed to compete at a high level, and you can't go 0-2-2 as, an, as, a, as a player in the Ryder Cup when you're supposed to be one of the best players on the team. Um, you know, interesting, some back and forth this week with uh, one of the caddies, LaCava, on the United States and Rory. Made it kind of interesting going into Sunday because there was a little more drama off the course. But ultimately, the good players for Europe played very well. You look at Rory, he went 4-1. and one. You look at Victor Hovland, he got 3.5 points. The top players beat our top players, and that was the difference in Europe taking home the Ryder Cup again. Yeah, Rom Rom shoved us in a locker as well. Um, I just I just felt like kind of embarrassed by this whole like spectacle that was the Ryder Cup from the U.S. end. It seemed like Europe just went in, handled their business, represented their respective countries, and beat the shit out of us from top to bottom. Um, you know, maybe towards the end it got a little close, but nothing even really noteworthy. They never really had it out of reach. Even checking the matches this morning, you know, like. Everyone, like Hovland was up early and, and there was no room for error. We needed to take nine of 12 today to, to win. And, and it really didn't feel like we were ever going to do that, even if we did make some pushes. But to me, there was just 
a lot of things that Europe <laughs> makes fun of the United States for that we just did as stereotypical Americans. Like we argued amongst, <laughs> amongst ourselves. We cried in the media um, and we like complained about not getting paid to represent the country and did like silent protests. And it was just, to me, it was just everyone kind of went there with their own agenda and their own ego. Um, and it didn't work out. It didn't mesh. It didn't gel. And I just thought it was really embarrassing and like off-putting, uh, to be a USA golf fan this weekend. They just didn't represent the United States well at all. And I think fucking, I mean, you had all of Europe in unison swinging hats around, like singing a song, making fun of Cantlay. Uh, and I just, I just thought it all looked shitty. You had like some old, the old caddy fucking yelling at Rory, <laughs> you know, whether that was good or bad, it's still just like the caddy yelling at their top guy. I didn't like anything. I just thought the aesthetics of it was just like bad for the U S all around. So, so what's your guys's take on that? Like, obviously everyone was waving the hat around. The reporter came out saying that Cantlay didn't get paid or they don't get paid for the Ryder cup. So he didn't want to wear the hat. And they actually asked him about it at the end of the tournament. And he simply said that he didn't wear a hat because it didn't fit. So I don't know how much I believe that or, or, or what, but he always seemed to be like kind of that like snarky type person. And I'm just shooting straight off the hip here. But I, I think that there was, it was more than the hat didn't fit. I think that there was some separation. They said Xander Shoffley was sitting in a locker room by himself at one point away from the team. Um, and like you said, Frank, it was one of those things where it's like, it was kind of embarrassing almost at, to a point. And you, you thought that wasn't going to be the weakness of this team because some of the captain picks were locker room guys and friends of guys on the team. <clears throat> Justin Thomas, most notably, being a friend of Ricky Fowler and Justin Spieth. So you thought maybe they were going to have a little more camaraderie coming into it, but I totally agree. It looked fractured. It looked like it was forced at times where it looked like Europe was having fun and it was just guys who were on a golf trip um, playing, having fun, playing loose, and uh, really enjoying each other's company. If the pay thing is real, it's just, ah, God, good God. I mean, you guys are, you guys are super loaded. This is like an Olympics of golf. Like it's more of an honor to be there. I mean, but I get it, I guess working for free. The only thing I guess I would suggest is there should be a purse, you know, uh, I think there just should be a purse for the winning team. Like, you know, whatever the fuck it is, each guy gets 500,000, they get a million, whatever it is. I think there should be a purse for the Ryder cup for the winning team. Um, and then that way, it's not about getting paid. It's like, okay, well, if you want to get paid, go win the fucking tournament. Um, I don't know. That's just my half-assed suggestion. Side note as well, uh, USA uniforms, man. Can we get something like just a little <laughs> louder, a little spicier? Can we get some more stars and stripes, a little fucking star-spangled awesome going on? I just felt like they were muted. They were quiet. They're forgettable. Um, and I just want like... I don't know. I want to go back to like the eighties type shit. That's just loud, proud USA stars, stripes, ridiculous golf outfits type shit. Can we get tiger woods as the captain for 2025? Right. That's Seriously. what we need. Like yeah. we need him rolling in shades on hat backwards, coming into Beth page black, looking for European blood. Um, we just needed that a little bit of swagger and Zach Johnson's more of a reserve type player in person. We just didn't have that. And I agree, Frank. I mean, could you have a 
duller, more similar looking uniform to Europe. I, at times, I couldn't tell who was on what team. Yeah, it was just like let's let's fucking get some st- stars and stripes going, boys. <laughs> yeah, no, Jesus. I hear ya. And and the other gripe that I have, dude, and this is not just the Ryder Cup, but it's golf coverage as a whole. Why is it so fucking hard to have good TV coverage in golf? It makes no sense. The Masters is terrible. This is terrible. USA Open is terrible. How? Watch the NFL. Watch NFL Red Zone and just mirror that. You got a camera flashing every time somebody takes a shot. You go back to the studio, quick little blurb on it, back to the shot. There was only 80-something shots being hit. How the fuck do we not be able to see every shot that's being taken? It, it's so bad. I It... it makes me sick every time there's a good tournament you can't watch any of it dude and for me Pizzo couldn't agree more and to add to that a guy like me who is a golf fan but not a super super knowledgeable golf fan I want when they flash to a guy on a hole hitting a putt show me his name show me what he's shooting for like a lot of times they just go blank screen with the guy and I think they do that to like show the beauty of golf to not clutter the screen. Stupid. I just, I want to see the guy's name and I want to see what he's shooting for every time. Because there are times... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you don't watch golf on a regular basis, the scoring in the corner is so hard to follow. You have no idea what what it means. Like, make it simple for the average golf fan out there. Yeah. Like, I don't need the fucking Toy Story walkthrough like I got this morning where they're literally, like, (laughs) explaining what punting is. (laughs) <laughs> but just a little like scoreboard of who's fucking shooting and what they're shooting for is all I'm asking on every frame, like every frame. So I know what the fuck I'm looking at. How about even no players names in the bottom right scoreboard? It was like match number 10 Europe one up. I'm like looking at for my bets. I'm like, t- right, who's match right. 10 is my guy winning. Like it was in throw a ticker on there and have each match load constantly running across the bottom like line ticker like espn why is it so hard i don't get i don't it. get it and then like you know i know that these fucking networks are all arguing because it's like you go to the espn app and like they have a top events thing in the top corner for scores the Ryder cup just isn't there like like no joke like whatever women's tournament was being played this weekend was was listed under top events and the Ryder cup wasn't it's just like okay i get that you're probably like arguing some rights thing of what to show where I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like I agree. Like golf could just do like better with like helping people walk through the game, especially the Ryder Cup, which is like match play and it's different. And it's like four and three and two and one. And like, it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yep. Fucking uh, joke. And then last note for the Ryder Cup. If they would have tied at 14, the cup just went back to the previous winner. I think that is insane. Who would ever let that be the fucking tiebreaker? What they should do, this is my thought, is it should be a 2v2 playoff hole, and each team gets to select one guy that they want to be part of that twosome. So, like, the USA picks a guy, and then Europe picks a USA guy, and vice versa. So, USA gets the top guy that they want, and then Europe picks, like, their weakest link that they want to play against. And then that's the the final playoff holes. That's my idea. I say if you have to go to a playoff hole, you go to the putting green and throw a golf ball, and whoever gets the closest to the hole wins. <laughs> yeah, because that's what we did at our Ryder Cup. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you that money. I fucking threw a seed. 
<laughs> oh man. Okay, boys. I think that's that's all we had for the the Sunday night show. Unless you guys got any final notes we want to leave with. Um, no notes really. Um, should have a little bit of a preview on Wednesday, I would think, for what's coming up on the weekend, and then also uh, a little bit of a deep dive into the MLB playoffs as those would be starting this week. So just a little little glimmer of what's going to come here Wednesday. Yes, and then also this week, you know, uh, if you are listening, shoot me some DMs. Shoot uh, info at champagneathletics.com and email for number one, mailbag, if you have any questions for us. And then number two, where we should tailgate on Sunday for the Lions game. We have done Greektown. We have done Eastern Market. We are looking to go to a new place um, every week if we can. So if you got a spot, you got a tailgate, you want us to come bug you with a microphone, uh, we will absolutely do that and we will be there. So let us know. We love seeing you guys on Sundays. And, uh, you know, as always, thanks for listening. If you are listening on Spotify and Apple Podcast, rating this five stars helps a lot. Writing a review helps a lot. Sending it to a friend helps the most. Uh, so if you're able to do that, we really appreciate you guys. As always, check out the store, follow the Instagram, follow the other socials, subscribe on YouTube, all that shit. Um, every little bit helps um, and word of mouth helps the most. So don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to the Sunday edition of the Fizz episode 119. And we will see you next week. Have a good, good week, great week everybody.